Hi, everyone. Welcome to Refine and Grow with Justin and Lindsay. My name is Lindsay Allen. And my name is Justin Euler, and this is your podcast for proven strategies on navigating and managing work life. So in today's podcast, we're really going to focus on tips for building solid relationships and really focusing on building trustworthy, loyal, and intelligent allies within your company or with your client. And I think this is a skill that really relates almost directly to what we talked about last time in regards to successfully onboarding to an organization. This is kind of the the run and maintain, if you will. So if you want to onboard well, you also want to thrive while you're at the company to which you're employed or the client to which you're delivering. And so today we're going to focus on building those solid relationships, creating allies. And the first tip we're really going to focus on is on adding value. Adding value is not just, like we said last time, vocalizing a bunch of things or doing a bunch of work. It is driving towards outcomes that are measurable, discernible material, and that are really nested within the larger goals and objectives and even strategic direction of not only the team you're working with, but the line of business or the business function in which you're operating. And then really nested underneath that is the organization and the value it's seeking, right? The the outcomes it's driving towards. So we really want to make decisions that are best for the organization ultimately and not about the individual. Often, Lindsay and I have seen individuals in an organization, we've had them as, as customers and we've worked with them where they're always looking out for number one. And we feel that to be successful in an organization, it's really about making the organization successful. And if you can make the organization successful, you will then in turn be successful. A few years ago, I I had the privilege, oh gosh, it's been a long time now, almost 20 years, that dates me. I served, I was was an enlisted in the Ranger Regiment and we had a major, a senior plans officer, Major Blaber, who actually went on to serve in, in very high level special operations units. And he, he actually wrote a book called The Mission, The Men, and Me. And in that book, he posits the, this idea that's been ingrained in the military and I think uh, will serve, serve anyone well in the corporate setting is that we put the mission as our highest priority. We put the people around us as kind of the secondary priority, and we put ourselves last. And and what I mean by that is not that we don't care for ourselves. We don't ground ourselves. I'm not saying work yourself to the bone and not care for your family and yourself, both your physical and mental well-being. What I'm saying is when you think about what value you're trying to drive within an organization, it should not primarily be about yourself, but be about that the organization and the mission of that particular organization in which you're operating. So to elaborate a little bit further, I'll hand it over to Lindsay, but I think that's really the, the kind of the heart and soul of what we're talking about. Are you driving value that's strictly for you? Or are you driving value that supports the organization? And the only way you're going to know what the organization values is if you go back to our last conversation around successful onboarding and really understanding the organization in which you're operating in. Yeah. I mean, I think it's easy because you spend so much time at work to start to mix work and personal life and take criticism on your ideas of how to 
move forward on a solution as personal, but it shouldn't be taken as personal. It should be seen as are the critiques that I'm getting on the solution that I've outlined things that we really need to risks that we really need to mitigate to move forward. And does someone have an idea that would work better for this organization? And I remember Justin, when I was working for you, you had told me that you think of your career sort of as this long continuum, like Mm -hmm. a long black line is what I see when I close my eyes. And my time with a company is just this tiny little piece of that continuum, just this a blip on the radar is what I think you called it. And so when you look at it from that aspect and you think, okay, well, the organization is is what will be here long-term and I'm just a temporary support mechanism. How can I have a long-lasting impact and really help them improve, help this organization improve? And, and anytime I'm feeling like very frustrated at work, I go back to, well, what could I do in this situation that would add the most value to the organization? And when I ask myself that question, I take the personal out of it because I actually appreciate the critiques that I'm getting on the approaches that I'm outlining or the deliverables I'm creating or the solution I'm trying to stand up, whatever the case may be, because the critiques make it better. And I want it to be the best that it can so that I can have a long lasting impact on this organization that I'm only working for and with for a really short period of time in the big picture. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important. And and it's important to keep in mind, we we are not the sum total of what we do and uh, what, what we do for our customers or what we do in our day-to-day work life does not define who we are. And so that allows you to have a little bit of objectivity, not that criticism can't hurt sometimes. It, it certainly does, especially when we care a great deal about our job. But when we care more about the mission of the organization and how we fit into serving and supporting the larger mission of that organization, it makes it easier to receive that critique without without taking it personally and, and without being offended by it. So yeah, I, I, we, we had a mutual mentor that we worked with who often said, you know, Justin, we replaced the president of the United States in 24 hours. How important do you think you really are? And this is a woman who deeply, deeply, deeply valued human beings and human relationship. Her point being, don't take yourself so seriously. And I think that's really good advice. Right. Yeah. And because we're talking about building solid relationships, you know, I think that's why it's so important to to recognize that when you put the organization first and your actions and words and your behaviors and your responses to other people, it shines through and people are, they're drawn to that. Yeah. It's almost enlightened self-interest in a way. (laughs) Um, You're thinking about the larger mission and others around you and doing what's best for the organization and the people. And it has a funny way of coming back around and really benefiting you. So that's, that sounds a little selfish, but I would like to say it's like, it's like enlightened self-interest is maybe a way to put it. Yeah. I like that. And the next thing, the next aspect of our, our tips for building solid relationships is having an elevator pitch. And this, I, I don't actually think a lot of people 
I think they maybe have heard the term an elevator pitch, but from what I can tell, not a lot of people spend the time putting it together. But what it is, is a 60 to 90 second overview of what your role is in an organization. And the reason that's helpful is because you want to put some time and thought into putting that, you know, three or four sentence elevator pitch together. It's who I am, what I do and how I add value. Because when, you know, when you're meeting an executive quickly, you don't have a lot of time or there's someone new and you're just kind of um, being introduced and you only have a minute or two to explain who you are and what you do. And that's going to be your lasting first impression. And so it's a way to kind of structure what that first impression will be because you'll have your elevator pitch that you use for everyone. And it's called an elevator pitch because it's supposed to be if you were riding from the fifth or sixth floor of a building down to the first floor and you're in an elevator with somebody and just go straight down to the first floor and they said, what do you do? What are you going to say before the doors open in that elevator and you're gone? Never to maybe never see that person again. Like how would you explain your role and the value that it adds to the organization in 60 to 90 seconds or less. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And and you make a great point in the tips and tricks sheet and that's ensuring it's simple, right? That that anyone can understand it and it leaves no room for misinterpretation. Uh, you and I both have had roles where I think people's eyes glaze over if we gave them the formal titles. <laughs> It's like, do what again? I'm not even sure the alphabet (laughs) from your lips, uh, what that really is. So when I introduce myself to folks who have no clue what I do, I often say, hey, you know, I, I help organizations and I help people get through really difficult changes. You know, I'm a guide and I guide them through really difficult changes and people are like, oh, okay, well. Tell me more about that. I want to hear more about that. Um, whereas a, if I start out by saying, well, I'm a senior director at blah, 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 and I run a change management practice. And I mean, people, I've lost them. I lost them at senior director. Um, yeah. You know, they don't even know what that is. It's like, do you conduct music? What is that? <laughs> it, I, I make it very brass tacks, very clear and, and just say, you know, people and companies, they go through some really difficult challenges. And my job is to help guide them through those challenges. And they're like, oh, that's cool. Okay. I think keeping it clear, keeping it easy. This is not about being smarmy. Oftentimes people um, associate an elevator pitch with kind of being salesy in a smarmy sort of way. Like I've got the gold chain and my shirt's, you know, un, um, unbuttoned down to my navel uh, with a hairy chest. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? No, that's not, that's not what the elevator pitch is about. <laughs> Clearly articulating kind of, who you are, what you do, and why what you do is important. Yeah. And if you go back to, okay, how does that help me build solid relationship? Well, particularly within your organization, when you explain to people, provide the elevator pitch, what you do, I guide people and help them solve problems. People within your organization will remember, you know, their eyes won't glaze over. They'll remember what it is you said. They'll reach out to you should they have a need or a problem that they they remember your elevator pitch and go, hey, I think Justin Euler could help me with this. I wonder if I could reach out to him. So you start to become the subject matter expert by only sharing an elevator pitch. And then on the flip side of that, if you have an elevator pitch that you're sharing with somebody who you're sitting next to on an airplane, you never know who you're talking to. That could be a great connection for you. I mean, I've got a story about sitting next to somebody on an airplane. 
Yeah, I, I've actually had a couple opportunities to sit next to folks <laughs> on airplanes, and and I'm an introvert, folks. I, I get on a plane, and I'm usually tired. It's early in the morning, or it's late at night, and all I want to do is get home. But I've had some wonderful conversations on a plane, so I'm thankful for the extroverts who have sat next to me and engaged me in conversation. I I love to have. I'm a conversationalist. I love to. I'm curious about who people are, and so even when I'm tired, exhausted, and a little spent, if someone engages me, and I'm going to engage back. But yeah, I, I would not be sitting here talking to Lindsay were it not for a conversation on my way home on mid tour leave from Iraq back in 2004. That's actually 2005. That's what that's what led me into consulting in the first place. And uh, furthermore, the, the job I have today is in part because I sat next to another person on a plane who helped me better articulate our next little tip on this sheet, which is what Simon Sinek would say is the power of why or explaining the why. This woman helped me to explain what I wanted to do and why I wanted to do it and really led to where I sit today. So I think that's a great transition to, uh, to talk about why. Right. Yeah. Explaining the why, how does that help you build solid relationships? I primarily think about email communication when I use the explain the why tip in building solid relationships. I'll get emails from people sometimes asking me for information or if I can help with something and they're not explaining to me why they've reached out to me what it is they need from me. The, the objectives, like Justin says, is not clear, you know, the objective that we'll achieve by me meeting with this person or by me completing an action item that they've assigned me or, or helping them understand something. And if I don't know why I'm being asked to do something, I'm less motivated to do it. When I understand the purpose and reasoning behind something I'm much more likely to be engaged. And I might even be able to, if somebody says, hey, can I talk to you about this internal site page at our company? If they just say they want to talk to me about it and I'm not quite sure what it is, I, I, I might even think that they're confused and have reached out to the wrong person. But if they say, hey, we saw that you are an author of another internal site page. We really like how you set it up. We were wondering if we could talk to you for 30 minutes and maybe take uh, some of the advice that you might have and apply it to the internal page that we're managing. Well, I might have even more information, better information than they even thought to share. Like maybe I have additional contacts of who can help you with the visuals on my site page or the layout on the site page or tools that I can share that kind of information. So when you tell me the why, or when I tell other people the why, I find that I'm more likely to get an even better response than I maybe would have initially anticipated, but also just get a response. When I just say to people, I play a project manager role a lot. Hey, so-and-so told me to reach out to you and I need you to send me this report by end of day. I more often than not would get no response when I didn't explain what the report was going to be used for, why it would be used, why I was connected to this person. It's almost like a respect thing to me, like respect people enough to explain to them why you need their help and why you're reaching out to them. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't say it any better. Yeah. That's really good. I think what then flows from that in regards to building solid work relationships, and I think this is true in every aspect of life, it's just being consistent. Another way I like to say it is being congruent, showing up and delivering consistently, whether at home or at work. And the greater congruence you have, I think, between home and work, showing up in both places as a congruent, kind of fully aligned, integrated human being, 
the better relationships you're going to build because you're going to build trust. The, the key to building relationships is trust and being consistent. Not, not perfect. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to be incongruent. But being consistent is really, really important. And I think one thing that Lindsay's talked about a lot is really identifying three to five traits could be, you could call them strengths. Sometimes I refer to, to my traits as strengths and using some of that strengths finders type language. But what are, what are the three to five things that I'm good at and can bring to bear every single time? In a way, you know, I kind of think of it as your own internal quality control. Early on in my career, I was known for being a great initiator, a great starter, and I was horrible on follow through. I would start out big and bold on projects, and then I would just kind of wah, 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 taper towards the end to the point where, you know, the value I was driving was questionable. And that I, I got some really direct feedbacks from some of my managers saying, Justin, you're, you're so good at your job, but you have a hard time with following through. And that led to a lack of trust, frankly, with some of my clients. And it's something I really became cognizant of because I had people that were willing to speak truth to me in a kind way. And it's something I started to work on. And, and there are times where I still, I still struggle with that follow through, but being consistent, building trust, well, being consistent, I'd say builds trust. And if you can anchor that consistency on three to five attributes or traits or strengths, I think you'll find that uh, you're going to build those really deeply valuable relationships. There's like some pre-work you need to do. That's to sit down and say, how do I want to be known in this organization? And so you've got to develop the elevator pitch and you've got to develop those three to five aspects of your brand that you want to come through consistently in every interaction that you have in that organization. Yeah. I, I can't remember if it's Aristotle, Plato, or Socrates. And I think I just reversed ordered the from student to teacher because Aristotle, I think, was taught by Plato, who is taught by Socrates. But know thyself. It's really important if you want to build solid relationships with others, you need to have a, a deep understanding of yourself. And I think um, some of these activities, some of these tips listed on this page really help you do that. Well, I actually think that's a great segue into the last tip that we have, which is to identify work and communication styles. Important to know what your own work and communication style preferences are, but really important to know what others are as well. Early on in this episode, we were talking about how building solid relationships is, is sort of the long-term playoff of successfully onboarding. Like you make a great first impression and you start to understand the organization and then you want to build up your, your network and, and solid relationships so that you can have a really strong reputation in the organization. And one of the things that we said when you're onboarding is the importance of listening. It's really important to listen to others and observe and be curious about others. And you have to take that want to learn more and to be curious about others and, and apply it to understand what communication and work style preferences each person has. And then you cater your approach to meet what the preferences are of the person that you're interacting with. Communication styles, if we start with that. So I think some people communicate directly and, and concisely. Some people maybe need a little bit more time to get their ideas out or process their ideas. Some people really prefer 
send me a text. I am me. Whereas others are like, it can be an email or if you've sent an email and it's turning into a complex conversation over email, pick up the phone and call the person that might Wait, be best. That, what, what was that? What's a phone? A phone. Conversation. You mean talking to someone directly? <laughs> yes. That's, that's mind blowing. <laughs> that's revolutionary. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's all these different modalities that you can use to communicate with people and people do have preferred modalities. I personally like email because I like information documented so that I can reference it. But I also like conversations. And I I know Justin, you're a big on pick up the phone and have a conversation about it, especially if it's getting so complex, you can barely follow what the email is saying anymore. You could probably solve it in five minute conversation versus... 15 different emails. Yeah. Or, I mean, we're starting to re-enter back into the world, right? And folks are probably increasingly over the next year going to be heading back into the office. I mean, just get up in your cube, poke your head up like a gopher, you know, over the cube farm and um, (laughs) go walk over, like going back to our last episode where we were talking about knowing kind of the lay of the land and where everyone's like, go find the person, have a conversation, go, Hey, want to grab a coffee? Let's go for a walk. Let's talk about this. And I find a 30 second conversation saves about two hours of email or unnecessary meetings. I think a a couple of key points I just want to go back to is know your audience, right? Which we've talked about on prior episodes to some degree. This also speaks to managing up. Oftentimes this tip is really important when managing up, right? And we've talked about that a couple episodes ago, how you manage up and how you communicate up the chain of command, if you will is really, really important. And sometimes it's going to be trial and error, right? It's not always going to be captain obvious how to best communicate with others or understanding their communication style. I even find with my my boss in particular, it can vary based upon the situation. If he's overloaded, if he's got a lot on his plate, he's not going to be reading email. But if I text him, usually I'll get a response. Now, if he's getting ready to go out the door on vacation and things are just hitting him left, right, and center, he may not answer me at all. And sometimes that when, when I get that non-response instead of getting frustrated, and I've been frustrated before, I recognize that that is an opportunity for me to act on my own, but keep him informed. I think it takes time. It's trial and error. There's going to be some missteps. There's going to be some frustration, but it is well worth the effort to do the work to learn how to best communicate with folks. And again, form a hypothesis, test it find out what works and doesn't work and adjust. And uh, like Lindsay said, when all else fails, pick your butt off the seat and go walk to the other person's desk or pick up the phone and give them a call. Right. With work styles, one of the, one of the easier, you know, there's, there's quite a few assessments out there that will give you like a, a five or six letter acronym of what this person's work style is. And it can get really complicated to try and remember a bunch of attributes about every single person that you're interacting with. So I try to simplify it a bit by thinking about people as people-oriented, task-oriented, or data-oriented. I fall into sort of this data-oriented bucket where I need time to think about and process the information. That's what I mean by data before I can come back and give a response or a recommendation. So I struggle when people are impatient and and need a response immediately. There's some simple things that I can give immediate responses for, but there's also complex things where I need time to process to really 
give a recommendation or response that I feel like I can stand behind. And then there's people who are task oriented and that's probably that like maybe my secondary one. And it's just crossing things off the to-do list. Let's, let's just get things done. And for task oriented people, it's very frustrating when you swing by their office and they're in the middle of something and you just interrupt. So with task oriented people, if you've got a question that you need to ask, and, and it is great to see them in person, you know, now that we're getting towards the end of COVID and, and being able to interact with people again in the office. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. You need to kind of say like, hey, do you have a sec? Or when's a good time that I could reach you because it's really hard for some task oriented people to come out of whatever they're in the middle of doing, have a conversation break from that, and then go back into what they were in the middle of doing. It's difficult for their brain to go back and forth. And you can, you can sometimes see or hear frustration in their tone or on their face. And so I try to pick up on people who are really focused on their to-do list and they're just go, go, go the sort of the busy bees in the office. I, I try to really give them a second to, and an opportunity to tell me, can this wait? And with people oriented, what I learned about them was that it's just that they need a moment at the beginning of a conversation to get the personal stuff out of the way. So I, I intro with them in a, Hey, how are you? How was your weekend? Just a just a sentence or two, like let, let them get out what it is they want to say, because it's almost like they can't concentrate on the topic that I want to discuss in detail and quickly until they've had that connection moment. So it's just kind of tweaking your approach to people based on what you know, their preferences and how they're interacting with you. So it's not only understanding the mode of how, how I interact with them via email, phone, in-person conversation, meeting, text, but it's also like, do they want me to, if, if I say, do you have a moment to talk and they say yes, and they're task oriented, let me just jump right in. What is my point? Why am I interrupting? Why am I taking up their time? Yeah. And if they're people oriented, it's how are you? It's let's get that out of the way so that their brain then can focus on the task conversation. Right. And if they're data oriented. It's giving them some space to process if that's needed and allowing, you know, kind of counting on that time. If I've got it, if I've got a boss or a client who is in that data oriented bucket, I need to give them all of the information give them some time to think through it and let them come back and understand that if I don't allow them to go through their process, that I'm probably going to get information that may change the next time I speak to them. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. That's all for today. Don't forget to head out to our website to download the tips and tricks worksheet from today's episode, download case studies, subscribe to our podcast and newsletter and more. And tune in next week for an all new episode. Thanks for listening.